Hey, this is Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC. Welcome to an episode of Building Resilience, a project with the purpose of equipping people with what they need to end sexual violence. The COVID pandemic has definitely upset our usual way of doing things. For many folks, this has meant trying to navigate and come up with a new routine or system of doing everyday things, like work, school, travel, even getting food on the table. It's probably an understatement to say that one of the biggest challenges is the uncertainty that the pandemic brings. We don't know what next week or next month will bring. Some of us don't even know when we'll be able to see our families again. Uncertainty and not knowing what to expect makes a lot of us feel unstable, and that's exhausting. When I'm in the classroom with young folks, I've gotten used to fielding questions like, what are we going to do next week? Are we going to talk about X, Y, and Z? What's our plan for the next lesson? On the surface, these questions may seem random, silly, or even frustrating that we can't focus on the here and now. I think it's a way for folks to mentally be able to understand what to expect, what our plans are moving forward, especially for students who consistently tell me that they're stressed and anxious. Giving them information on what to expect is a very easy thing that I can do as an educator to alleviate any stress or anxiety. It's ultimately about some sort of security and the ability to know what's coming up. And this can be especially helpful for victims and survivors of trauma, like sexual assault. So here's my case for consistency. To be consistent in your parenting is to adhere to the same values and guidelines. Doing this ultimately helps both you and your children feel a sense of security and emotional safety. Making an intentional, explicit effort to talk about how you will spend your time as a family sends several messages to all of your family members. First, that each person's time is important and valued, including your time together. Second, it helps you understand what to expect throughout the days and weeks. And third, it's always good to open up communication. That way, if any changes or adaptations are needed, you can talk about it. I talked with KSARC's Family Services Specialist to get some thoughts on how parents and caregivers can be mindful about establishing structure and routine in your family's lives and why it can be so important, especially in these really tumultuous times. Just a heads up, while we don't go into detail about sexual assault or abuse, there is mention of it. Hi, I'm Deanne Yamamoto. I'm the Deputy Executive Director at KSARC. Hi, I'm Erin Esteban. I'm the Bilingual Family Services Specialist. Hi, I'm Karen Cope, and I'm the Family Service Specialist at KSARC. Hi, I'm Marie Pareda, and I am another Family Services Specialist. And I'm Vanessa Corwin. I'm the Prevention Services Coordinator at KSARC. Part of the reason why, um, you know, routines and structure is so important, you know, is just if we think about like our lives as adults, you know, um, like imagine if we just kind of lived in chaos and we didn't really know, you know, like what was going to happen from day to day. We didn't really know if we were going to work today. We wouldn't really know if we were going to get a paycheck next week. We didn't really know, you know, like if somebody's speeding on the freeway, like, you know, if they, you know, might get a ticket or not. Like if we didn't really have an idea of what, you know, the expectations and, you know, the structure um, and having some sense of routines, like we wouldn't really feel safe. You know, we would feel like chaos and, and, and be kind of on alert, you know, that we're not really sure, you know, what to expect. Um, You know, and the same is true for kids, you know, if they have kind of a general routine, you know, even if it's simple things, you know, that, you know, they 
every night before bed, you know, we brush our teeth, you know, like, you know, on certain days, you know, we take a bath or we, you know, um, you know, we eat breakfast, you know, in general in a certain way, or we, you know, um, you know, even like right now with the COVID and, you know, kind of like setting up a routine, you know, for schooling, it might be, you know, as simple as kind of, you know, um, you know, having kind of like in a specific area, you know, that they kind of go to do their schoolwork or their Zoom calls, you know, um, you know, it can be a lot of different things, but the idea is to have consistency. Um, so they kind of know what to expect, you know, from day to day. Is there room for flexibility? Um, you know, when we set schedules or expectations or should they be rigid? Especially now, Vanessa, I, I hear lots of parents say, I give my kids too much screen time now. I know I do more than before COVID. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for some kids, they don't like, they need that rigidity, you know, that to be rigid. Um, but the more flexible a kid can be, I think it's easier as well. You know, it's a, it's holding both, being flexible and being rigid at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's finding that balance, you know, like like maybe there's certain parts of the routine that that can't be flexible, right? Like we're not going to tell our kids, well, if you brush your teeth every other day, that's okay, you know, like we can skip that, you know, that one, you know, um, like probably not, you know, but like if, you know, um, you know, we recognize that, you know, now, you know, maybe they don't have to wake up as early in the morning, you know, because they don't have the commute to get to school, you know, maybe we can be flexible and, you know, adjust the bedtime a little bit, you know, um, or if we recognize, you know, that they, uh, worked really hard, you know, on finishing their schoolwork and, you know, did really well. Um, maybe we want to reward them, you know, with like half hour extra, you know, screen time or something that we normally would say, no, we're going to, you know, set the limit at this and no more, you know, and, and maybe we, you know, want to reward that um, or or be open, you know, to negotiating with our kids, you know, if they're coming to us and saying, you know, this is not fair. You know, I think I should be able to, you know, um, be on my phone more because that's the way that I talk to my friends and I don't get to talk to my friends by going to school anymore. You know, like we're basically just in the class and then in breaks, like we don't get to see each other in the hallways, you know? Um, so finding ways that we can negotiate and, and, and come to kind of a flexible arrangement where we still feel comfortable about the routine that we're setting. Um, but, but we're also, you know, listening to their needs and their wants as well. I do agree that flexibility is key. It's, you know, um, I just think about like for, because it's really rough on these kids, right? On the, um, on all kids. And I think about um, maintaining expectations still, right? Um what is important for your family values is so key, right? Um, like dinner, um, going, attending remote learning, right? And, and then so things, for instance, in the past, like soccer was so important. And, but I like it, Erin, that you've talked about paying attention. Um, 
So right now, you know, the kids practice soccer four days a week. Um, and it's sometimes a lot um, for them, even though we want to maintain those routines. So just paying attention. So some days Devin will say, mom, I just don't feel it today going to soccer. But so it's negotiating, right? Okay, today's Tuesday, you don't want to go to soccer. So you kind of have to go on Friday, you know, so just negotiating that but paying attention to and, and for us, like I said, routine is so important. You know, um, soccer was important is important to them, but being flexible, you know, um, and negotiating that with them. I think, I think it's still, it's more challenging now again since this week. My son was doing basketball four times a week with two different people and they've cancelled the whole thing. So now he doesn't have any of that. So now we're going to sit down today and work out a new routine, something else that he can do or something that we can do together. Um, because now there's a void for him. I would say that routines, you know, while they they help all of us, including our kids, feel safe, you know, and, and have a sense of security, um, they're also directly related to to boundaries, you know, in a sense, you know, that a lot of times, you know, the routines that we set up, you know, are are kind of based around like the the boundaries and expectations that we have, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe it has to do with kind of how we're structuring, you know, like the opportunities that we have to like spend time together as a family, you know, do we have kind of a, you know, devices off, you know, time, you know, in the evening or something, you know, when it's should be family time after that, you know, so that, you know, everybody's not just on their little individual device, you know, um, or, um, you know, or like, you know, a really common one, you know, is, you know, what are the, kind of the guidelines and expectations around like, you know, the nighttime, right? Like, you know, do our parents, you know, saying, okay, you know, you know, cell phones, tablets, devices, computers, you know, they have to be in, in, you know, the living room or they have to be off or whatever it is, you know, during the night or setting up, you know, parental controls or something, um, you know, because that's part of the expectation, you know, the, the routine, um, to help their kids achieve their goals, right, of, like, being able to sleep at night, you know, um, and not having, like, too much, um, you know, bored time on their hands to be, like, exploring the internet or doing things, you know, that's not helpful for them. Um, and, you know, and so part of it is, is, like, that safety piece, but part of it is also, like, teaching kids about, like, like, expectations and prioritizing, you know, and, and recognizing like, you know, well, why do we have breakfast in the morning, you know, and, you know, that we do that because that like sets us up for the day, you know, like maybe we have dinner together as a family because, you know, that's, that's our time together, you know, all the rest of the day we're all, you know, kind of doing our own individual things. Yeah, absolutely. And I keep hearing this theme about really incorporating like your child's voice into the process of setting up these routines and your schedule and all of that. And I can definitely see that tying into them being able to define, you know, like what, what their boundaries are, what they're okay with, what makes them feel safe um, and being able to communicate that with you. Um, what advice would you have for a parent who's like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even consider 
you know, setting the schedule um, explicitly with my kiddo. Is it too late to do that? No, it, it's never too late, you know. Um, it might be harder, you know, to to get by. And if, you know, if your kids are, are older teens, you know, at this point, um, you know, but it's it's never too late to start having conversations about this. Um, and I, I would say one of the keys, you know, is um, – is not only kind of sharing, you know, with your kids, you know, what your reasonings are, you know, for kind of wanting to set up some of those routines and expectations, you know, um, but also asking them, you know, for their input, you know, to share like what ideas do they have, you know, and how can this, how can they make it work? You know, um, I recently learned how to use the parental controls, you know, on my kids' iPhones, you know, um, and, you know, and figured out we can do downtime so that, you know, during like school hours and at nighttime, like they're not, you know, even tempted, you know, to just be going on their phones and stuff because it's on downtime and it's blocked. Um, and sure enough, my son came to me and said, you know, I understand that. And, you know, during my breaks, you know, during the school day, that's really my time to talk to my friends, you know, so so can you make, you know, this app that I use to talk to my friends, like one of the always allowed apps, you know, so that I could still talk to my friends during my breaks, you know? And I, yeah, I said, well, yeah, I, you know, I can see how that would be really important because if you were going to school in person, you would have lots of opportunities to talk to your friends, you know, during your breaks and lunch hour. Um, and how can I make sure that you're not going to be using that, you know, during class or, you know, when you're trying to do your homework, you know, and so, um, he, they came up with an idea, you know, to have, you know, a special, you know, place in the other room, you know, that they place their devices in, you know, during class so that they don't have access to it, you know, um, and by them kind of having a voice in that process and, and being able to, to use their ideas and their input, like they have more ownership over that, you know, so they're more willing to, to follow through on it, you know. I'm sure your kids were thrilled that you learned the parental control features on their phone. <laughs> I thought they were going to be more resistant to it, but, you know, um, I think that's the thing. Like when you, you know, make it be known that, that, you know, this is the routine, this is the boundary that you're setting and you're listening to them and, you know, kind of, you know, being willing to, to give them what they need, you know, and, and a little bit of what they want, you know, then, um, then they're not really looking to try to get more, you know, because they're happy, they're content, you know, like they're getting to have, you know, plenty of time to talk to their friends and watch the TikToks that they watch and, you know, the videos and everything, um, you know, and they know that they have to turn it, you know, that it's off after 8 p.m., you know, and that's fine. And, you know, the other thing that we've touched on a little bit is, you know, the idea that routines, you know, help us all have a sense of security, right? Have, feel safe. And, you know, for kids that have been through sexual abuse, you know, they, they have felt a sense of betrayal. They've, you know, not felt unsafe, you know, possibly in their own home, you know, because often the abuse may be happening, have happened in their own home. Um, and so, 
you know, one of the things about routines that's so important is, you know, despite this huge disruption in the family and in, you know, everything that they have to do because, you know, they just found out that the sexual abuse has happened, um, as much as the parents can keep some semblance of a routine, you know, from then on, um, you know, day-to-day things like all everything we've been talking about, you know, that really in essence helps, you know, the child who's been through sexual abuse start to regain a sense of security, you know, because they told, you know, about this abuse that happened and now they still, you know, have breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. They still, you know, do a family activity on certain days of the week. They still, you know, go to whatever sports practice or they still, you know, um, watch a family movie together or have game night or whatever it might be. They still clean the house together. They still have to brush their teeth, you know, like all these little tiny things that happen every single day that's part of their routine are still the same, you know? And so even though this, you know, this big thing happened, you know, this awful thing that was the abuse happened, um, their life is still continuing, you know, and their parents, um, are still, you know, having everybody like following the rules and, you know, willing to step in and have consequences when people are not following the rules, you know, so, um, so kids end up feeling like, you know, that they're safer than not because, you know, they know that their parents are going to step in if somebody's, you know, not following the rules. And it allows them to, to trust their parents too, when their parents, when they set that routine, right, then they could trust that their parents are going to follow through or, um, it's rebuilding that trust that was lost when a child was sexually abused, right? Is, you know, trust with that non-offending parent. It's a really a give and take with your kids, right? It's, um, when we talk about flexibility, um, well, Vanessa, you were asking about flexibility with routines. It's that give and take. But I think also as far as parents, when they try to set up routines and they wonder, is it too late? Or, And I think parents also fear of they have to hold on to times. Like, okay, wake up time is at 7. You know, we brush our teeth, at, you know, we get ready for school or whatever at 7.30. And that's a flexibility too is, you know, you don't have to hold on to those certain times, right? There are going to be days when you have late Girl Scouts or late, you know, Boy Scouts or whatever it is. But whatever that routine is, when you come home from whatever activity or if you don't have any activity, it's it's setting that routine regardless of time. Because I think parents are so stuck, you know, the parents I've worked with, they're so stuck on, well, we come home at 630, you know, we don't have time to do this. But regardless, it's just Okay, what is your normal routine on a day that you don't have this? So it's also giving permission to parents that, you know, flexibility, again, is not time constrained. You know, it's what's normal and what's, you know, setting up that routine. I know I had one mom who was like, "Some well, how do we set this time if I put it, if I get home some days at 4.30 and some days we get home at 6.30? And so... For them, for her, it was such a barrier, right? Like she couldn't get over, you know, um, for her, it was, it had to be very specific, but it's okay not to be so specific with timelines. And it doesn't have to be the same every day, right? Kids, kids learn that um, things come up and it can be different. But what you're trying to do is really give them structure 
and you're trying to give them sort of a framework that they can learn to trust. Um, but also the beauty of flexibility is it's teaching them that, you know, things come up and this is how you restructure things. So we're constantly wanting to teach our kids not rigidity, but we're trying to give them security in a structure, but that structure certainly doesn't have to be the same day in and day out. I mean, I kind of learned that the hard way too, because my daughter, we always ate dinner at six. It wasn't really a rule. It just happened that we could get dinner ready at six, but there was this whole period of time where it wasn't at six. It was more like six thirty or seven. And she would just be stressed out. Dinner's at six, dinner's at six. How come there's no dinner? <laughs> and so I realized that my goodness, I set up this, structure that made her very, very rigid. So it actually took time to work her out of that rigidity and that expectation. She always got fed. She never starved. (laughs) It's funny you say that because especially during the summer when the kids were younger, they based dinner on sunset Mm -hmm. or how, how dark it is. And so during the summer, I'm like, we got to eat dinner. It's late guys. And they're like, what the light is still out the sun is still out but again you know um it's that it's um that rigid because i'm madden was so much like that he was like mom he goes the sun is still out how can we eat dinner and i'm like it's already nine o'clock 8 30 <laughs> so yeah and i think for parents need to hear that it's never too late to set routines And they can set routines with their children, what works for their family. Because what works for one family doesn't necessarily need, means it's going to work for another. And I think that's about, I think you spoke earlier, Maria, about having family values. And everybody has different family values. And that really they're the experts in their own children as well. I think that's really important. Because when I say to parents, but you're the expert in your own child, you know your child better than than you speaking than me, then they feel confident about that. I don't think anybody's ever told them that. So I think that that's really important thing to say to parents. If you wanted to give parents an idea or some ideas on what some good family routines are that give kids that sense of security and sense of belonging, sense of being beloved. What are some of the routines you suggest for parents to put into place? Having some sort of meal time, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, right? You know, it's COVID, so, you know, if it's lunchtime, um, just any meal, um, during the week, um, cause it allows also that not only routine, but bonding, you know, an opportunity to talk about anything. Um, and it just creates that, that stronger relationship with one another and it opens communication, right? Besides mealtimes, it could be, it could even be like watching, you know, a show or a movie together, you know, where, where everybody's, you know, kind of participating and, um, playing a board game together, you know, um, finding, you know, I know our lives are busy and everything, but, you know, finding, you know, special times to do something. Um, and, and asking, you know, the kids to kind of participate in terms of coming up with, you know, ideas and options so that they have some buy-in for it. 
I like that. I think that fits into family routines too, because kids get accustomed then to doing family time together. What are some other family routines that we can give people tips about? I think also, um, everybody likes a tidy house. So doing chores together, that could be a, um, that could be something. Um, one of our values and a DN, I, I laugh about this because, um, my husband's motto is work hard, play hard, right? And so we have these expectations and routines that on a Friday night, you know, or on Saturday, everybody pitches in, we play our music, we clean, you know, and the kids know that that's what's going to happen on, you know, Friday or Saturday because Maybe they want to snowboard during the, you know, during Saturday and Sunday after their soccer games, or they want to hang out with their friends. They already know that these are expectations, but we do it all together, you know? And so it doesn't have to be a Saturday or Sunday. It could be any day where everybody pitches in and, um, everybody pitches in and works together. Again, that's part of also family values too, right? And setting that routine. I love that. That has such a different feel than go do your chores, go clean your room. It's all hands on deck. We're all doing this. We're all in this together. This whole house is our responsibility together. And so you make it fun. I think that's great that the music starts blaring and you guys start dancing and singing and clean the house. That's great. You know, and I I, I just realized this, was it last summer, we talk about routines and Every Sunday, and I think my husband stopped doing this, who he used to blast the music on Sunday and the kids would wake up to it. It's, and, um, he's cooking breakfast and the kids come down and we all just gather and start cooking together on Sunday. I didn't realize it was a routine. Then one day for a while, it didn't happen. And my son was like, how come we're not playing music or how come there's no, no, nothing cooking? I forgot what it was. And we're like, what? And he's like, we do that every Sunday. Isn't sun, isn't it Sunday? But we did not know it was an established routine, but for him and the kids, that's what it was. Right. Um, and then we all get ready for church, but those are just, it may not be set in stone. It may not be written. Um, that's the one thing about routines. It's not written. It may not be written on your board or in your calendar, but it's just something that over time becomes a tradition or a routine or part of your family, right? Um, and it's good for parents to think about like, um, what are you, what is something that you do Sunday through Saturday, right? And they may not even realize that they have a routine, but just breaking it down with them and then they'll, re- and then they feel empowered. Like, we, you know what? We do have a routine. We do have something set. And then that empowers them to reinforce, uh, you know, other routines. Does that make sense? You know, the cool thing is you're building memories for your kids too. I guarantee they'll remember those times when they're adults and think back on them on how special those times were together as a family. And, you know, the special times are what? Waking up to loud music, having breakfast together, cleaning together. I bet you that's going to be a good memory for your kids growing up. I think about Sundays. Um, We would also clean um, house on Sundays, and my dog would pick up on that and know that she's probably going to get a bath that day, so she'd go and hide. (laughs) every Sunday. So she was also picking up on the routine. That's so Isn't that crazy? And my dad 
dad's birthday. My dad's passed away, so on Sunday, it was his. It would have been his birthday, and so we always listen to music on a Sunday morning and have breakfast. And on Sunday, because it was my dad's birthday, and when I was a little girl, so I've just continued with that tradition, listening to music. We played his kind of music, and my son was laughing because it was like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> And it was it was just different, you know, but he got a chance to play his music. We all got a chance to play what we would listen to, what our parents listened to. So he had to come up with stuff that we listened to, which was interesting. It was nothing like what I listened to, but anyway. <laughs> but it's the start of, hopefully, his memories. I would also say that, you know, when talking about routines, it also includes traditions, you know. Um, and so, you know, every family might have really different traditions, you know, depending on the holidays that they celebrate, um, you know, the time of year that, you know, that they enjoy. Um, and, you know, and, and whatever the tradition might be, and, and it might change, you know, like sometimes, you know, as as families change and, you know, circumstances change. Um, but, and we can always start a new tradition, you know, like maybe, um, maybe in the fall, some people like to go out to the pumpkin patch, you know, and, and pick out a pumpkin. Maybe they've never gone before, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, maybe they like to cook a big family meal together, you know, around different holidays. Um, you know, whatever it might be having, you know, some kind of traditions that they do, year to year, you know, that their kids remember, oh, this holiday's coming up, like, we always do this, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, this big expensive thing, you know, it doesn't have to be some giant trip, you know, it can be really simple, you know, like decorating cookies together, or, you know, having a meal. Um, but, you know, those, those traditions are also really important part of, you know, these family routines, you know, that, um, that gives kids a sense of, of belonging, you know, and, um, and are helping them to, to, to create, you know, these, these memories and bond, um, with their family. And sometimes part of our job when there's been sexual abuse within the family is to support families, come up with new traditions and new routines for their family. That's really important. And maybe it might not be going to, grandmas for Christmas or Thanksgiving this year but what can we do in our house and, and still celebrate and maybe start making cookies the way that we want to make cookies and create new memories I know this year probably all of us are having a new tradition huh with COVID and social distancing um, uh, and I think this is where the kids and I and Dave, we talked about it. Like, this is going to be different, you know, so it's preparing. Next week is Thanksgiving, but it's going to be different. We're not going to Nina's house, you know, my sister's house. Um, and it's just going to be us. And so it's, I think one thing, you know, when you talk about routines is letting them know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and so for next week is Thanksgiving. So we are preparing our kids about, you know, it's just going to be the five of us. It's just us. We're going to um, do our own, li you know, little Thanksgiving. 
um, versus having going to my sister's house. And that's a part of that routine, you know, is letting them know before it happens and preparing them for that. So when Thursday does come, they're like, how come we're not going, you know? It's a good opportunity to teach what respect is in a different way too, right? That you want to keep your family safe and healthy and you want to keep your sister's family safe and healthy. So because I respect them and love them, that's why we're not doing it. I mean, Thanksgiving is a time to express thanks for all of that. And so I think it's really important to continue the message, right? To come up with the day-to-day things that we're doing and saying and give them the proper messaging around it. So it's not about denying them of the privilege. It's not about, um, you know, withholding um, from them on Thanksgiving or next will be Christmas. But it really is a matter because I love you and because I love my sister's family. This is what we're doing. And it's creating that, you know, a new memory, right? And so I think we're all going to be doing a Zoom. So I go, you know, so it's, it's, it's that negotiation piece too. Like we're not going to get together with Papa. We're not going to get together, but we're going to do like a Zoom where we're going to all pray at the same time or and eat dinner. Um, but it's setting that new tradition too. Absolutely. And the other thing is, Marie, when you were saying that, I was thinking and telling your ch- children it's different, but it's going to be okay and they're going to be okay. And we're still a loving family. Yeah, and and Marie, you brought up a good point about like, you know, giving your kids a heads up, you know, when when plans are going to change or, um, you know, when the routine is going to have to be different than how it usually is. Um, I think sometimes, you know, as parents, we we try to shelter our kids from, you know, having to hear about like, you know, the real world and, you know, what's going on and stuff. And um, you know, to a certain point, you know, that's important, you know, like to allow our kids to be kids. Um, but they also need to know, you know, um, you know, in an appropriate way, you know, for depending on what, you know, developmental stage they're at, what's going on, you know, so that they can understand, you know, and, and not be caught off guard and not be, you know, surprised, you know, well, gosh, how come like, we're not doing what we always do, you know, um, you know, and so kind of, showing them the respect, you know, of, of figuring out a way to talk with them, you know, about the changes in a way that they can understand, you know, and is appropriate for them to hear, um, you know, so that, um, the same way that we would want to, you know, be shown the respect of being told, oh, okay, this is going to change, you know, this is coming up soon. And we wanted to let you know. Um, so I think that's, that's a really important point, you know, that, um, you know, finding ways to, you know, and, and maybe, you know, our, each of our kids might be a little bit different, you know, maybe we realize, you know, it's better to tell them, you know, a week before, or maybe it's better to tell them, you know, the day before, um, you know, but to kind of give them a heads up, you know, so that they're not just blindsided, um, by the changes. All right, here are three tangible takeaways that you can try out today to establish some structure and consistency in your day-to-day. Takeaway number one, practice flexibility. The ability to adapt is really important. I think it's one thing is um, 
You may have routines, but it's okay to be flexible depending on what's happening or depending on each situation, right? So it doesn't have to be rigid at all times. Um, because it also teaches our kids that um, to, to allow them to bounce back. Takeaway number two, ensure that you include your child's voice when setting your schedule and their schedule. Include your children in helping setting up the routines mm-hmm. so that they're, there's a buy-in and they're part of it too. Yeah, give your, give your child a voice in the process. And, and really pay attention to what they um, what they have to contribute, you know, and what they think and feel about about the routines, you know. Um, sometimes we might jump to the conclusion that our kids, you know, just disagree with us because just because they like to irritate us or something or or because you know they, they want to be in control. Um, but more often than not, it's, you know, they have a really valid reason, you know, for their, for their thoughts and feelings, you know, and so if we give them the opportunity to really share, you know, what they're thinking or feeling about, about it, um, then we'll probably learn something about them and, and find an even better routine or way, you know, um, of setting things up, um, so they, they can be successful and feel like they're a part of, a part of, you know, the process of setting up these routines. Takeaway number three, prioritize family time and connection. You know, make sure that whatever, however it looks, you know, that you're making time and space regularly for, for spending time together as a family, you know, whatever, however that might look, it might look very different for each family, but, you know, but really um, making time for each other. Building Resilience is a project of King County Sexual Assault Resource Center, or KSARC, which is located in Renton, Washington. KSARC works to provide direct services to all victims and survivors of sexual assault in King County, Washington. Visit our website at kcsarc.org and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kcsarc, or send us an email at education at kcsarc.org. If you've experienced sexual assault or abuse, know that you are not alone. There are lots of resources to support you in your healing process. Programs similar to KSARC exist around the country. Visit the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN, at rain.org to find a community sexual assault program near you. Thank you to Marie Peretta, Karen Cope, Aaron Esteban, and Deanne Yamamoto for content in this episode. Dante Ariaga and Ashley Vesey for tech support, and a special thanks to our super producer, Logan Vesey, on editing, consulting, and mastering the audio, and for the immense support in making this project possible.